This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm. Today I'm joined by Chris Grenham and our good pal over at the Locked On Celtics Podcast, John Corrales. And guys, I'm going to start this podcast the same way we uh, Grenham started the podcast yesterday. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was a holy shit moment for sure. To me, it's crazier that they hired Brad Stevens to replace Danny Ainge. Like Danny Ainge retiring, okay, little surprising, but I can see it. Brad Stevens as president of basketball operations, what? Yeah, 100%. The Brad Stevens portion really threw me for a loop. I think with, you could kind of read the tea leaves a little bit where if someone told you this season, like Danny Ainge might have one year left, might have two years left, like you wouldn't be totally shocked. But I thought I was going to be watching Brad Stevens coaching the NBA for the next like 25 years. I did not expect him to take a front office move. I had heard that the seasons, these past two seasons had been wearing on Brad. I, I had heard that, but I never interpreted that as he wants out of coaching or was considering getting out of coaching. The past season, the bubble and all of that stuff really like took a toll on him. I'm just guessing here, trying to put two and two together, that when he was presented with this possibility, he must have thought like, all right, I don't have this same level of travel. I don't have the same restrictions. And hey, if I have to go to Croatia to scout somebody, maybe I say, hey, family vacation to Croatia and you guys can can sightsee. And I go get to see like this, this 17 year old that we're going to see if he's the next Luca or something like that. That's something that I think that he can do. And I think he might look forward to doing that. I agree. But let's let's put a cap on the Brad Stevens conversation, because what we're doing with this podcast is we're going to split this into two parts. Half of it's going to be here on the John Gino time. Half of it's going to be over on Corrales' channel, Locked On. And we're going to talk about Brad with Corrales like extensively over on Locked On and the coaching search. So, I mean, Danny obviously leaves behind a like really fascinating legacy. Put together a championship team almost immediately when he was like given the full reins. That championship team probably should have won multiple championships if it wasn't for injuries, you know, they, that limited them in, in 2009 and in 2010. That team just got old. He somehow managed to spin that team into honestly one of the more like controversial rebuilds um like i think league-wide where you know everybody everybody thought that he should make all these moves and then he didn't and then not making the moves brought in two young superstars i mean it, it really has been a an eventful 18 years that he that he's been with the celtics what do you kind of see as the legacy that danny leaves behind it is a complicated one because he did a lot like he's obviously he earned the trader danny moniker like when when he had the opportunity to remake teams he did it and he did it like strongly. Like the original Celtics team that he inherited was just stripped and remade. And then 
when it came time to rebuild, he wasn't afraid to do the Paul Pierce trade and the Kevin Garnett, that deal where a lot of GMs would maybe not want to trade a guy who was just the finals MVP and who is as impactful as Kevin Garnett. But he he did look at this and say, hey, I'm willing to make the tough moves. So I will give him credit for making the tough moves. The moves that he made recently kind of backfired. Like this is like one of those things where on paper, so much of this stuff should have worked and so much of it didn't. I I think there is a bit of an unfair recency bias to Danny Ainge's legacy that, that maybe like, okay, certain things didn't work out, but if we're looking at it objectively, there are a lot of reasons beyond his control where these things didn't work out. Like the Kyrie Irving trade didn't work out because Kyrie just pivoted, (laughs) you know, like I think he, he leaves as, if we're, you know, a, a letter grade type of thing, like a, an A minus B plus GM, where he made some moves that worked. He took some big, big swings and, and they were admirable swings and he, he made some mistakes and, and has paid for those mistakes. And ultimately he did win one title. He had opportunities to win more than one title and didn't. And unfortunately and unfairly, that's going to fall on him. I would agree with the grading scale there. I mean, he had a very good tenure all in all, if you look at it from a, you know, a bird's eye view here. In one sense, Danny Ainge was sort of a trailblazer with that Nets deal because you've seen that structure of a trade quite a bit after that happened. Like that was the first real asset hoarding move that worked out well. And you've seen so many teams go after that model after he made that move with Brooklyn. So that in itself like was somewhat of a trailblazing move uh, as a front office executive. So that was obviously a major win. I think, of course, in recent years, they've had more trouble getting deals done. I think he's become a little, maybe less so than he did initially in his front office career. He maybe got a little too attached to some younger players and some assets that he had. And that's bound to happen in the lifespan of a front office executive. But all in all, I think he was very successful. I want to get Danny Ainge to sit down and I want to get his honest answer to this. Did the failed attempt to get Justice Winslow in the draft change his thinking on how to or what his value was for these picks? Because he wasn't hoarding picks up until that point. Right. When he made the run and he offered, he reportedly and, and came out and basically confirmed that he was offering a ton, a ton and was going to grossly overpay for Justice Winslow. And luckily, Michael Jordan fell in love with uh, Frank Kaminsky and wanted him so bad that he would not make the trade. And so after that, I I remember Danny coming out and being like, I think I might have dodged a bullet here, you know, because he went all in and, you know, the pressure of the draft, the pressure of time ticking down. He's like, okay, I'm sure that he was like, okay, I'll give you this pick. Okay, I'll give you this pick. Just he fell in love with Justice Winslow. Now, obviously, we see what happened to Justice Winslow. It's, it's probably a really good thing that that didn't happen because the narrative right now would be that was the beginning of the end. But like, we wouldn't even be having this Danny Ainge retired conversation. He might have been fired shortly after that because he would have given up too much to get Justice Winslow and it would have all failed. But after that, I think Ainge got very, very disciplined with, here's our formula. We're not straying from our formula. This is how much we value a first-round pick. And, and this is we're not going to go above that. And we saw it flip around and bite them in the ass when they had to get Gershon Yabusele in the draft. Instead of being able to move that pick in a deal somewhere else, they had to make a bunch of draft picks that they didn't want to make. Then they had to draft Yabu in in the first round, which they didn't want to do. 
he only stayed overseas for one year and they, they wanted him to stay over longer. A lot of those things started to happen after the Justice Winslow. I, I, I want to get your guys' takes on, on, on that pivot point in his career. Well, I think what's interesting about that is, you know, you talk about how Danny at that point started following kind of like he, he was more regimented. He had like more of like a formula to it. I think that for the first part of his career, one of the things that made him so good was that he was able to sort of like reshuffle things and take these big swings. And the big swings that he took were generally good swings. Like, I mean, you know, you look at the, the KG trade, people like to talk about how Kevin McHale handed Danny Ainge, Kevin Garnett. That did not happen. That, right. that package was a big package. And people talked about how much, you know, they thought Al Jefferson was like a future star. And they, they you know, they thought the Celtics gave up a lot in, in that deal. But Ainge correctly looked at that and said, look, if, 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 if we put KG next to Ray Allen and Paul Pierce, this is a championship team. He kind of kept doing that with these like big swings. And, and I, I kind of wonder if like when he ended up kind of reshuffling and he looked at, you know, he was like, okay, I'm going to try to build a, a team with Kyrie. And, he, you know, he kind of made this, this kind of fluid move. He basically put himself on this one track and he, and then he had to try to follow the formula where if that formula didn't work, that one track was going to be in trouble. He recovered nicely by having Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And that, you know, certainly is a huge credit to him, but I always kind of thought of him as kind of this big schemer and like this big move kind of maker and I wonder if like being regimented and being sort of like a little bit more rigid, maybe hurt him um, in terms of team building, given that that wasn't necessarily what his personality was before as a GM. I think there's definitely something to that where the more present day Danny Ainge didn't have the advantages of the old trader Danny mantra. But I think the Justice Winslow point is a very interesting one to tab as maybe that pivot point in when that really changed, when he realized like, hey, I almost just screwed up big time. <laughs> and now's the point where I need to get on a track and stay on a track and not fly off because if I fly off like that, it could cost me my job. So if you're looking at a point, I do think Corrales, like you said, that Justice Winslow potential deal that ultimately did not happen was a vital point in his strategy as an executive. And ultimately, I do think that probably did hurt him. It's easy to play like Monday morning quarterback looking at, well, like, I didn't know Kyrie was going to leave. I didn't know how Orford Gordon mm -hmm. were like, we didn't see any of that coming. But I think the strategy change and the pivot that very well could have started around Justice Winslow, it lowered the ceiling a little bit. And I think whether he knew it at the time, it actually lowered the floor a little bit too. One of my favorite games to play over the last like two days has just kind of been like, imagine if, like, you know, imagine if Brad had taken the Indiana job, imagine if, da, 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 da. imagine if he had made, like Corrales was saying, imagine if he had made that trade, like we're, the whole conversation is different. And like, even, even the talent evaluation conversation is different because yeah, he hit on Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And that is a huge credit to his legacy. Justice Winslow would not have been a hit in the same way. And especially when you look at the overpay he would have put together. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. So he would have drafted Winslow with Devin Booker still on the board. Think about how disastrous this is. We, we would look at the picks that Danny Ainge traded away and say, oh, he had an opportunity for that third pick. Now, let's say it is Jalen Brown. Let's just pretend that it was Jalen Brown and he develops to this point. And today, we're looking back at the failed Danny Ainge legacy in Boston and say, well, look, there's an all-star in Jalen Brown. There's a superstar in Jason Tatum. And there's a superstar potential in Devin Booker. And he, he gave it all away for Justice Winslow. Like that would have been the absolute worst trade. That would have been, might have been, if it happened, the worst GM move ever. 
not only did he not take Devin Booker, he passed up on Jalen Brown and Jason. People rip on Ainge now for not for trading up and not drafting Giannis. If he had done that deal and passed up on on Winslow, and I mean, obviously, there's like all kinds. Like he had no way of knowing that Giannis was going to grow three inches and in, you know, right. <laughs> right. put on like a semi truck of muscle onto his frame. But like, <laughs> but like, imagine not he passed up on having Giannis and Devin Booker on the same team. Oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> the narrative yeah. would be rough. I think, it's what, I think it's what Corrales said before. Like we wouldn't be here talking about yeah. because he would have been gone long before now. And Celtics fans would be distraught at this point. So I think for everyone's health, I think it worked out pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you guys brought up the Kevin Garnett trade, which prior, it was actually the Ray Allen trade. That was the trade that got Kevin Garnett in. But I want to make a point about the Kevin Garnett trade that is really missing. And, I love having these these historical discussions because the nuance is so easily lost throughout time. That deal not only involved Al Jefferson, who was a really good, coveted young player at the time. The draft picks that they gave up became, the, it was the sixth overall pick in the draft that Minnesota used to pick Johnny Flynn, one pick ahead of Steph Curry. And if the trade goes exactly the same and Minnesota selects Steph Curry and he becomes Steph Curry, then we look at that trade really, really differently because Minnesota ends up, who knows, maybe winning a championship. Having Steph Curry, they can, you, you now say, oh, well, that was an even trade. I guess I don't know, the, the detractors will say that wasn't really Danny Ainge. Kevin McHale did Danny Ainge a favor. No, that's not true. If, if Kevin McHale had drafted Steph Curry, then that whole he did Danny a favor never would have become a narrative. He screwed up the draft. And then they picked Ruby, Wayne, right? Wayne Ellington. Oh, oh, right, yeah. They picked Wayne Ellington. I'm just like scrolling down and there are like, like Danny Green was in the second round. Like, and there's a second rounder, so I'm not going to be, it's not being overly fair, but Danny Green, Patty Mills, good players were there in that second round. Aaron Baines, this was, he was eligible for this draft. Joe Ingles, <laughs> who had, again, being fair, had bounced around a lot and was cut by the Clippers before he signed with Utah. So he's an interesting guy. But there are a number of names there that if Minnesota had taken those guys, and obviously like the Steph Curry point, this notion that Kevin McHale just did Danny a favor because he, he's you know, a former Celtics guy and he wanted the Celtics to do well, that, that would not be the conversation. So we've got to make that point that Minnesota really screwed up after that and, and botched that entire deal after they got good assets. You want to know who really screwed up? In the 2009 draft, the Wizards traded the fifth pick for Mike Miller and Randy Foy. They could have drafted Steph Curry, but they gave up the pick to get Randy Foy and Mike Miller. Well, he played for the Wizards for one season. So anytime that 2009 draft gets brought up, just immediate PTSD. I just start to like quiver a little bit. Just awful, awful, awful. Sorry to bring that up. Way to go, guys. But no, I mean, that, I think that's exactly right. And I think that's that's what makes, I think, Danny's legacy so fascinating is that his tenure with the Celtics goes so far back that there is so much opportunity for nuance. Like there are so many different weird little moments that honestly could have gone either way. And so like the immediate stuff is interesting. And then like Corrales, like you said, like when, when you kind of dig into some of that stuff, I think the fact that his legacy goes so far back that it not only touches your Johnny Flynn era drafts, but it also touches your, your Jason Tatum drafts, your Jalen Brown drafts, you know, your Rob 
Williams drafts. Like I know Rob slipped to him, but that's a, you know, that's a great pick too. So I've got one more, the, the one more, what if that, that changes so much about this current Celtics team, because now we're talking about like the Kyrie situation and all of that. Go back to 2017. Danny Ainge knows he's going to sign Gordon Hayward. That's also the summer where he and Indiana are talking about Paul George. And there's this conversation that Paul George, like the Celtics have the assets to trade for Paul George. But this is all my understanding here. Danny Ainge tells Indy, I have cap space to sign this guy to a max contract. If I trade for Paul George right now, I don't have that cap space. So just hold off for a second. Let's get through the draft. Let's get to free agency. Let me sign this guy. And then I will, we, we have a deal. And then OKC comes through with a deal for Paul George that Indiana likes and will take and does not want to wait around for what Danny Ainge's deal might be. Because the longer you wait, the more they fear that Danny's going to say, all right, well, you're out of options. So uh, that's not the deal anymore. This is the deal, right? They don't want to get screwed. Fair. That's fine. But if Indy had waited, if they could agree to a, a framework of a deal and they signed Gordon Hayward and then traded for Paul George, now you have Paul George on the Celtics, you have Gordon Hayward on the Celtics, you don't have Kyrie on the Celtics, and you don't have Kyrie throwing Gordon Hayward that alley-oop, which broke his ankle, which now what happens after that? Like, this is one of the ultimate what-ifs because – by all accounts, that deal for Paul George was very close and could have gotten done. It didn't. And remember, they signed Gordon Hayward first, then Kyrie Irving came available. And that's when that happened. So much changes, like so much changes. And, and maybe, maybe it doesn't work, but we'll never know. This is like one of the ultimate what ifs, I think, of Danny Ainge's career. That's a really good point. And that's not one that people think about. The reason the Paul George thing didn't happen is because the Celtics, the result of Paul George not happening, I should say, is that they drafted Jason Tatum, which is like what the entire franchise is built on. So it is very difficult to go back and like kind of remember that. That's a fascinating one. Uh, it makes you wonder what they would have done with IT, how that whole situation would have gone down because they knew the deal with IT. Like they were not going to re-sign him to the kind of money that IT was looking for. And, you know, maybe they signed him to like a smaller deal and maybe the, uh, maybe the curse is lifted. Maybe uh, not everybody <laughs> gets injured anymore. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. So Corrales, I mean, you said you said A minus B plus for Angel's tenure. Granum, you agree with that, with that kind of framework? Yeah, I'll give him an A minus. I mean, I think the fact that you can go about so many what ifs is telling in its own right. Basketball executives, GMs, they don't last that long. He brought on in this role in 2003, and he's now just stepping away in 2021. That's pretty remarkable. So I think that alone speaks pretty well to Danny Age's tenure. But as a whole, I would I would say A minus. I, I definitely see all of that. I, I'm I'm tempted to give him an A, if only because. I think if, if any GM is in charge for as long as Danny is, there are going to be moments that look bad and like kind of like trim your grade down no matter what. Like, I don't care how good you are as a GM. There's going to be moments where you're just like, I didn't like that one. And when you look at the thing that Danny leaves, look at the place where the Celtics are left as Danny Ainge 
exits. A championship, 16 out of 19 years. Is that right? That they made the playoffs under- Most playoff appearances since what? 07, 08, something like that. And not only that, he leaves the team with a 23-year-old MVP candidate and a 24-year-old all-star, both signed long-term and all of their future picks. Like, I think when you look at where he left the franchise, Ainge leaves the Celtics in a place where they have a ton of young talent and and just basically like, you know, a ton of options. So I I think he did a a phenomenal job. Um, Certainly there were mistakes. Certainly there were slip ups. And honestly, maybe it, maybe it was, you know, a really good time for him to go. Like maybe it was time, maybe it's time for a fresh voice, for a fresh perspective in that, in that front office, just kind of fresh ideas. But I think the place that Danny leaves the Celtics now is just as good as any franchise could ask for, for a departing GM. Look, A minus, A I take points off for like a little bit more of the recent stuff. So yeah, there's a little recency bias there. I take points off for some of his handling of, of the draft picks as far as not necessarily the selections that he made, but definitely holding on to a few too long. Like I think it might've been better to use a couple of those picks to take those bigger swings that we talked about earlier. I think that that is a fair criticism of Danny Ainge. And that's not to say like, I don't think that the, these criticisms of, oh, you could have had Kawhi Leonard or you could have had Anthony. Like, all, I think all of that stuff is just actual false, like wrong. Like, I think those were those were good decisions because the net result was keeping Jalen Brown in a lot of those for guys that ended up leaving the situation that they went to. I do think like the, the Yabu situation was is a, a good example of you got caught with too many picks. You knew that that was going to happen. And other teams knew that was going to happen. And I think that situation was was not great. And okay, you know, whatever. But when you weigh everything, yeah, he did a lot. And right now, the Celtics, I think this this past season, the, the numbers, the wins, the losses, it's all exaggerated. This past season is such an aberration. I think the real truth lies there, Tom, with what you said. Tatum is a potential MVP. At this point, Jalen Brown has developed into an all-star, and I think he can stay at that level. When when you look at the drafts, which people want to criticize him for the drafts, but like you said, you've got Robert Williams at 27, a starting level player at 27. That doesn't happen very often. Peyton Pritchard is a contributor that they got, what, what was he, 27th? 27th. You know, yeah, so two players of, you know, varying importance, but contributors at, at the 27th pick. Aaron Neesmith, we're seeing, can, can maybe develop into something. Romeo Wankford has the potential to develop into something. People need to be patient. We've seen flashes from both of those guys. I forget who it was. Somebody on Twitter said, these guys are going to get to full health next year. They're going to actually have some good luck. And people are going to equate this with Danny Ainge leaving and Brad Stevens not being the coach anymore. When all they needed was some good luck and some good health luck and guys developing a full offseason, an actual summer league, even though it's only going to be a week, like actual time to prepare and get their homework and, and grow Grant Williams, maybe learning how to play the four and get out into the perimeter and learn those um, mechanics. All of that stuff is going to be useful. And whoever the next coach is, is going to walk into a pretty good situation. This is how you're going to know how good the Celtics situation is. The line for this coaching job is going to be massive. Everyone is going to want this coaching job. No, 100%. So, Grant, uh, before we go, talk to us from our, from our good pals over at Shades On. 
Yes, our Geno Time listeners know our friends over at Shades On Beer Company. They're located in West Kingston, Rhode Island. That's their beer garden and tasting room. They're the makers of the Geno Time Stout, which won't be available until midsummer, I believe, but they have plenty of other delicious beers. So if you're in Rhode Island and you're a Celtics fan, go check out Shades On Beer Garden and Tasting Room in West Kingston. And this is uh, today's sponsor for the Geno Time Draft. But what is the topic? I'm in the dark here. <laughs> So here's what we're going to do. Danny Ainge obviously leaves behind an impressive legacy. He also leaves behind a very famous nickname. He was Trader Danny. So what we're each going to do, we're each going to take two. We're going to pick two of our favorite Danny Ainge trades. Corrales, you can can start as the guest. We'll go a snake draft. So you get the first pick and the last pick. I'll get three and four. Grenham, you can go uh, two and five. So John Corrales of the Locked On Celtics podcast, what was your favorite Danny Ainge trade of um, his tenure with the Boston Celtics? I have to go with the Kevin Garnett trade. I mean, obviously, but here, here's, here's why I have to go. Specifically, I have to go with the Kevin Garnett trade because originally I was against the Kevin Garnett trade because I thought the Celtics were giving up too much. I was a big Ryan Gomes fan, Providence College guy. Like I was, I, I believed in the, the skills of Ryan Gomes. I thought he was just a glue guy, all of that stuff. But here's the funny part. Like it didn't even take until Kevin Garnett played for me to change my mind. They make the trade. I was like, all right, I guess. And then Kevin Garnett shows up for the the news conference and he's holding up the jersey with Paul Pierce and Ray Allen. And just seeing them standing there, I was like, oh, yeah, yep, I'm wrong. I'm 100% wrong. This is going to be awesome. I don't even need to see them play. Just seeing them standing there before they even talked, I was like, yep, this is exactly the right move. I'm completely (laughs) wrong. Kevin Garnett's the man. This is going to be awesome. You can just tell right away. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right. I'm going to go. This was a no brainer in, in my mind. I'm going to take the 2017 draft trade with the Philadelphia 76ers that somehow I don't think gets talked about all that much anymore. No, you're right. It really gets overlooked, which is shocking because it was a perfect deal from the Celtics perspective. You swap firsts with the 76ers, you get an additional first in 2019, which, yeah, that turned into Romeo Langford, right? Yeah. They were never going to take Markel Fultz. It seemed like you get Jason Tatum, who's now a potential MVP candidate down the road. Like, there's not many trades that aged better than that one. So I that that's going to be my pick. All right, so I got two picks here. I'm, I'm going to go with the trade, the big three trade, obviously. I mean, I think that one was just like, I mean, he he, he destroyed Brooklyn in that trade. We, we talked about it. I, like ha- having the foresight to, to know that like, you know, Gretham, like you said, it was kind of a, um, like a trend setting trade as well, um, where, where teams now, you know, will hoard assets and they will look to do that with stars that they're trading away. The good thing for Danny was that he managed to do it with two guys who were on their way out to a team who had some stars, but all those stars were pretty overrated anyway. So like when the whole thing fell apart he just got to benefit from it so I'll make I'll take that with the third pick with my fourth pick I'll take the 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 trade that set up Corrales's number one pick which it's it's hard to kind of grade where to put the Ray Allen trade because you know it was the thing that convinced KG that the Celtics were a place that he would want to be like that the Celtics could be a contender when he came like without that trade the Celtics also don't win a title like it's almost equally important to the KG trade except that KG was just a better player and a better better Celtic and you know, certainly more beloved by Celtics fans and his Celtics teammates. But all of that said, without the Ray Allen trade, the Celtics don't get KG. So I'll take that at number four. All right. I'm going to go a deep cut for my second one. Another Providence College reference here because we are wholly biased for the Friars, but this is just a nothing trade. 
like absolutely nothing. But in looking through the history of transactions during Danny Ainge's tenure, I have to include 2014. There was a three-team deal between the Celtics, the Heat, and the Warriors. Ainge traded Marshawn Brooks and Jordan Crawford to the Warriors. And then from the Heat, they got cash, a bunch of picks, and Joel Anthony. Well, one of those second-round picks turned into Ben Bentel, who I loved at Providence <laughs> College. So I will take the Ben Bentel, Joel Anthony, Marshawn Brooks three-team deal in 2014 with my second pick. I am awesome. appalled at so many things about this pick. But number one <laughs> is that you traded – Is that it's the trade that got rid of Jordan Crawford. Yeah. Who Aiden Brad Stevens system would have been an all-star. Don't debate. <laughs> the other thing is the Celtics drafted Ben Bentel, which <laughs> it was. I don't care about that. I, like, I know you're. I know you're a Providence guy. But I like, do because Danny might have been the guy who gave him false hope and made him leave Providence early, so he cost me <laughs> an initial successful year of Friars basketball. We had hope for Ben Bentel. He was. He was a beast. He was great at Providence. Didn't know how to defend a pick and roll for his life, but he, uh, yeah. he could score. You know who was way better was Jordan Crawford. <laughs> <laughs> also true. Also true. Um, okay. So my final pick, I was tempted to go for the Isaiah Thomas trade, but what I'm going to do, I'm going to go for the deal before that, that set up the Isaiah Thomas trade because July 10th, 2014, three team deal, Brooklyn Nets send Marcus Thornton to the Celtics, Cleveland, gives Boston Tyler Zeller and a first round pick. And it's all in an effort to get LeBron James back to Cleveland. So Cleveland dumps Zeller, who was okay, the, the first round pick, and the Celtics get Thornton, who was okay, useful player. The reason I'm picking this trade is it was a fantastic use of his assets to say, oh, hey, you want to get LeBron back, but you need the cap space and you need to, you need to move some things. Don't worry. We can, we can help facilitate that. No problem. And this is what makes a great GM is, is finding your way into that. The reason why I like this pick, I'm picking this one is because then Ainge flips Thornton and that pick over to get Isaiah Thomas. Like he gets the ingredients for the Isaiah Thomas trade by doing this. Move. And this is great GM. This is great team building. And we all look at the big, flashy, splashy trades like and, and get on him for not making those, fine. But it's moves like this that make a GM great. Learning how to operate around the fringes, picking up these little things here and there that you think, oh, this isn't important. Oh, that's not important. Like, oh yeah? Well, guess what? Now we're getting IT and we get the Isaiah Thomas era because Danny Ainge was able to get in on yeah, LeBron came through and he was going to go to Cleveland. Well, guess what? He was going to go to Cleveland no matter what. Someone was going to do this. Someone was going to help that out. So you can say, you know, oh, but Danny Ainge got LeBron to Cleveland. He was always going to Cleveland. But this deal got us Isaiah Thomas and one of the most memorable runs in Celtics history. I think that is an example of what great team building is. All right, guys. Well, we will leave it there. You can find Corrales over on the Locked On Celtics podcast. We try to bring him on every once in a while for exposure. He's he's new to this. So we help uh, out Corrales and Sam Sheehan NBA. Those are our two. <laughs> <laughs> but look at the news that he's he's breaking all over Twitter. <laughs> it's phenomenal. He's on a heater. And he's for hire. I mean, that's the thing. Like we're trying that's... to help we're trying to help him get a job. You work for Boston Sports Journal. People can read you there. So yeah. You don't need the help, um, even though we're trying to help out your little podcast. But make sure you check out that cute little uh, endeavor he's got going on over there. And uh, you know where to find us with any questions, comments, or concerns. We will talk to you guys all again uh, later this week. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. 
Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.